Um, so let's get going and then um, I want to share some more thoughts, the Lord willing, from, from Hebrews, an awesome letter to the Hebrews about this incredible work of Christ that has literally brought us into union with God Himself by the work of Christ. Awesome. Lord, we thank you that you are opening our eyes more and more to see heavenly realities. Thank you, Lord, that you have, you came to open the eyes of the blind. Blindness that was put on us from way back in the garden. Thank you for helping us see. Thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for this new reality. Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I pray that we would hear and see things. Help me speak as, as you would have me speak. Open the pages of this awesome book written by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You know what, we may need some help. Uh, maybe Kevin, maybe, uh, or, uh, and Bill maybe could help get some chairs. I think there's, I think there's some chairs in the, in the hallway, Kevin. And Scott, thanks, Scott. We can put some up here. I don't want to go too, too fast past what we shared last Sunday about um, that verse in Hebrews chapter 10. So let's get there. Let's go there first, if you will. Hebrews chapter 10. Cool. Yeah, if you don't mind, let's, we've got to leave this uh, open right here because it, at some point the entire band is going to come walking through here to go on stage. Yeah, right here would be great. Thank you. I think next time we'll set up, probably I can speak from here like yeah. we did once before. Yeah and put the chairs this way and that way. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, we, we Let's revisit that thought again because this is so, so awesome. Hebrews chapter 10, let's start with verse 1. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. And we said last Sunday, the, the better way to understand what the writer is saying here is that he is saying that because of the one sacrifice, because of a cleansing of sins, we would have no longer any consciousness of sins remaining to be cleansed. Is what he's, that's the point the writer is trying to say. It's not that we don't have any consciousness of 
sin or when we do something that is fleshly or that, that which is of the spirit and that, that which is flesh or that which is Christ-like and that which is not Christ-like. But what the writer is saying here is that if the worshipers had been made perfect, there'd be no other sacrifice for sins had they been cleansed and no more sense that they need to be cleansed any further. And that is what this writer is trying to tell us. Okay. Most believers live their life. I know I used to live like this as a believer because I didn't understand the, the grace of God, the finished work of Christ, the new covenant of grace. I had a mixture of, a mixture of law and grace in my thinking. But most believers live their life thinking that they have sins in their life that need cleansing. Most believers live their, their lives thinking they have sins in their life that need cleansing from God. In fact, there's a, there's a lot of teaching out there that says you need daily cleansing from your sins. You need to confess your sins daily to stay cleansed. Some people even teach that you need to keep short accounts with God. I've heard that on television before. You know, you've got to keep these short accounts with God. Keep your sins confessed up to date so that God will cleanse them up to date. Short account is just a, it's an accounting term that refers to a debt. You owe a debt. You pay your bills in 30 days. You pay your bills in 10 days. You pay your bills in 60 days. Keep short accounts with God. That's the teaching that's widespread in the body of Christ right now, out there right now. There are believers that are hearing this in their churches and on TV and on the radio right now that, that you need to have short accounts with God, which means, or what, as it's taught, you need to name your sins. You need to confess them currently so that God can then put them under the blood, so to speak, and cleanse them from your life because the teaching goes, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, then you're out of fellowship with God which makes it worse. I mean, it gets bad. It gets worse. This teaching leads you to down a path of blindness to where you don't begin to really grasp the awesome reality of the new creation. How can you see yourself as a new creation? How can you see yourself as holy and perfect? As Hebrews says, the law can make nothing perfect but Paul says we are now perfect in Christ, a spiritual reality. Even though we don't manifest perfection, and that's the whole point of our growing, our mind being renewed so that the real me, the real new man is getting out as I, cause, as I allow the reality of who I am in him to manifest through the renewal of the mind. But To have that kind of thinking that you need cleansing from sin um, is, is it's what's robbing the church. It's what's robbing the church. Imagine, imagine living your life as a believer um, every single day with the knowledge that, that of what Hebrews 10 is saying. That there's no consciousness of sins that need further cleansing. This book, this letter to the Hebrews is so powerful. It's, um, you know that, that saying that says we can't see the forest for the trees? What that means is, you know, it's obvious, but we can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we'll read the book of Hebrews 
And this writer is amazing. We don't know who wrote this book. Some say it's Paul. I don't think it's Paul. Um, it's, some say it's Paul. Some say it's Apollos. Um, they don't really know who wrote the book. He didn't sign it. It may have been Paul because Paul didn't want to sign it because he, he had such a bad reputation among the, the Jewish hardliners that his letter might have been destroyed. But we don't really know who wrote the letter, but it's it's amazing letter. Um, we can't see the forest for the trees sometimes because when you read Hebrews, it's, it's so awesome, the detail, what he's saying. We forget what's the big picture. And the writer even helps us with it. Remember the chapter where he says, okay, now the main point is this, see, because he goes into so much awesome detail that you, you can't see the big picture, the forest for the trees that he's pointing out. So you back up and look at what is this letter saying? This letter is all about, and he starts it off, the very first point, in the very first two verses, three verses, he talks about what he's going to say in the whole letter. He talks about the Messiah who purged us of all our sins and then sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's where he starts this letter. The entire letter is explaining this because that means something really powerful. This whole letter is a revelation of God changing the priesthood. Now, what does that mean? The priesthood, when you talk about priesthood, priesthood has to do with a man standing before God on behalf of the people. Priesthood is a man standing before God on behalf of the people. And the priest under the Old Covenant, the Levitical priesthood, offered gifts and sacrifices according to the law so that they could cover the sins of the people so God could dwell in their midst behind a thick veil in a building made with stones. A prophet, just, just a little footnote here, a prophet, is a, a prophet is a man who stands on behalf of God speaking to the people. But a priest speaks for the people to God. Okay, God changed the priesthood because the priesthood, which was according to the law, one of the things the law said about the priesthood was that the only those from the tribe of Levi could be priests. And this priesthood was not a perpetual priesthood because the priest would die. They'd get old and die. So they had to be replaced with other priests, continually replaced. This priesthood, which was a covenant given to natural men on earth with a tabernacle made with hands and a veil made with hands and blood of bulls and goats were merely shadows. We just read that in Hebrews 10. Shadows of the good thing to come. They were copies, Hebrews says, of the heavenly reality. Earthly copies of a heavenly reality. This priesthood that is after the order of Melchizedek, or Melchizedek, was prophesied in Psalm 110, verse 4. David, moved by the Spirit, wrote Psalm 110 and spoke of another priesthood that was coming. 
This priesthood had no beginning and no end after the order of Melchizedek. This writer is amazing. He brings out all this. Okay. This priesthood was put in place by God with an oath. This is big. Huge. Now what is this? What is this? Why is this such good news? God was not pleased. Hebrew says, you found no pleasure, Lord. Father, you found no pleasure in the blood of bulls and goats. God found no pleasure in merely covering our sin. God found no pleasure in, in having to be behind a thick veil and seeing one man a year for a few minutes. God took no pleasure. God wanted to be with his kids. God wanted to be with us, which is mind-boggling. Jesus said, I've done it. Lo, now I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And not just with us, inside of us. When, that, when the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost and the, and the fire was above their heads, they saw for a, a second, God allowed them to see in the visible, the invisible reality of the presence of God coming and going inside the believers. And it was the presence, it was the fiery, what they call the Shekinah glory that was above the mercy seat behind the veil. It fell it, it stopped short for a few seconds so that men could see it with their natural eyes, this awesome work, and then it disappeared and went inside them. Inside them. And when it went inside them, they were as drunk men at 9 o'clock in the morning, praising God. And what were they saying out of their, word, out of their mouth? They were not saying, I'll do better, Lord. I'll do better. <laughs> they were saying... They, the scripture says they began to shout the wonderful works of God. They began to praise him and thank him for his awesome, awesome work. He had done something and they were now seeing it. Awesome. Okay. This is awesome. Hebrews. Hebrews. I'll tell you what Hebrews is like. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? Okay, remember in Lord of the Rings how he would put the ring on and the moment he'd put it on he would like he was like he was in this other realm he could see and he was invisible to the visible realm but he was he stepped over into the spiritual that's why the evil eye could see him the moment he put the ring on this book That not just this Hebrews, I mean this truth, the truth of the finished work of Christ. This is better than movies. We have literally been translated from the kingdom of this darkness, the visible realm, into the kingdom of the beloved Son. You and I have literally been 
We've passed over through the door in Christ. You have this realm within you now. The presence of God Himself within. Your life, Paul says, is now hidden with Christ inside of God. You are now, now seated with Him in heavenly places in this invisible realm. Demons know you. They see you. You're there. You're in that realm. They see you. You walk on the earth, but they see you. They said of Paul, they said, the demons in Acts said, Jesus we know and Paul we know, but who are you? They don't see you. They don't see them. They're not there. They were trying to use the name of Jesus like magic and cast out demons. Remember that, that scene in the book of Acts? Saints, this reality, you are the sons and daughters of God. You are the heirs. You walk the earth as Christ, as his body on earth. His children, you are no longer from below. You are from above. The writer to the Hebrews says, because he has changed the priesthood, he has forever removed our sin from us. Forever. All sin for all people for all time. The forest for the trees. What is the forest? The forest is no other sin remains to be cleansed. You walk the earth joined to Him. What has robbed us from growing in awareness? Awareness, awareness, awareness. What has robbed the believer of growing in an increasing awareness to, of to live is Christ. What has robbed you and I of an increasing awareness of I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in Him who is inside of me, who loved me and gave Himself for me. You cannot grow in that awareness without seeing no more Sin remains to be cleansed from you. That's the wisdom of the cross. 
It's the wisdom of the cross. It is the power of God. You and I are supposed to be growing, and this doesn't happen over years. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't take years. I mean, these guys in Acts, they began to change the world, turn the world upside down in a matter of days and months. I'm telling you, saints, it's a matter of revelation and faith. Don't let any power or persuasion deter you from believing what God has said by an oath. God himself swore. I love this. The father. Oh, we got to read this. I love the way he says this. This is so awesome. Chapter 6 of Hebrews. Chapter 6, verse 13. Oh, Lord. Chapter 6, verse 13. You know, C.S. Lewis and, and J.R. Tolkien were good buddies, good friends, and they wrote books together, C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien. They saw these things, and they put them in books, and, moved, and later we made them into movies. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Why? What, is there a reason? Why did C.S. Lewis write about a door passing through to another reality? Why a wardrobe? Put on Christ. Okay, here we go. Chapter 6. Verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In other words, the writer is saying, just like God did with Abraham, and he swore by himself, because he could not swear by anything better, or anyone better or greater than himself, and he swore by himself that he would bless Abraham. Look at this, this is so cool. In the same way, verse 17, now this is about you. This is about you and me. In the same way, God... God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, to show to Rob, to show to Judy, to show to Barbara. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose. I love what Abby said in the worship. And it just, he just came out of Abby as she was praying. It was the spirit. She said, you are unchangeable. The unchangeableness of his purpose. He interposed with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. What is that saying? What are the two unchangeable things? What are the two unchangeable things? 
These are the two intangible things. God, that's why it says, right after it says the two intangible things, it says in that it's, it's impossible for God to lie. The two intangible things are things he said. They're unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. That's what he's saying there. Two unchangeable things because it's impossible for God to lie. So it's something he said. All right, what did he say? He said, you, Psalm 110, speaking of the Messiah, by the Spirit, David wrote, Psalm 110, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Jesus himself referred to that scripture as the Messianic scripture, which all the rabbis knew that was, that was referencing the Messiah. In fact, Jesus brought up that scripture and said, hmm, if he's going to be the son of David, how does David call him Lord? They didn't get that. But that's what it's talking about, the Messiah. Psalm 110, the Spirit through David spoke, and the Lord spoke in Psalm 110 and says, you, speaking of Messiah, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And above that it says, I swear I will not repent. God's saying this. I will not repent. I will not change my mind. That's the oath. I swear. That's the oath. I swear. I will not change my mind. You are a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That promise, God doesn't have to, to swear by himself. His word is enough because it's impossible for God to lie. But even more desiring to show the heirs of the promise, you and me, the unchangeableness of his purpose so we wouldn't doubt. He swore. What a humble king. He didn't have to swear. His word is law. His word is life. His word is light. He swore because he wants us to know we who have fled for refuge to this, this Christ. He interposed with an oath. I swear by myself. He is your high priest forever. Now what does that mean? Why is that such an awesome thing to give a strong encouragement? Because the scripture says if you know what that means, you have strong encouragement. Why is that strong encouragement? Because, as the writer explains, this new order of priesthood is not like the priesthood after the order of Levi. Sorry, I'm shouting so much. Sorry. Tone it down. The priesthood after the old covenant, according to Levi, could never take away sin. The priesthood after the order of Melchizedek is not of earth. It is, the writer says, not of this creation. It is not a temple on earth. It is not a sacrifice that is given daily as they did under the old covenant to cover sins. By him swearing with an oath that Christ has become our priest after the order of Melchizedek forever, he is saying to you and I, I swear to you, Dale, God,
God himself. I swear to you, Ken, your sins will never, 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 never be counted against you again. And contrary to religious thinking, that does not lead us into a sinful, fleshly lifestyle. What it does, and this is the wisdom of God, what it does, saints, it pulls the veil back. The veil is on our minds. The veil remains, Corinthians says, as long as they see themselves in their sins, in the reading of the Old Covenant, the veil remains. That's why as long as the old tabernacle stood, Hebrew says, and the veil remained and there was a continual sacrifice, the Holy Spirit thus signifying that the way into the Holy of Holies was not yet made manifest. When Jesus died on the cross and the veil was rent in two, that's not something nice little thing that happened. That is the revelation that the Holy of Holies is open now within you. Oh. You and I start living under the new covenant of grace, believing that I have no other sins that need further cleansing. Not that we don't sin as believers. Of course we still sin at times. We still walk in the flesh sometimes and we don't act according to who we really are on the inside. We're not saying we don't sin. That's not the issue. The issue is the, the work of Christ is so complete. You can live... You, you don't sin under law, saints. You sin under grace. If you sin under law, law is in, sin is imputed. That's why Romans 4 talked about where there is no law, there is no transgression. For sin is not imputed if, unless you're under law. And that doesn't lead us to a sinful lifestyle. See, we're so slow to believe God's ways. Think about this. If you got to a place which is not supposed to happen over years and years and years. I mean, if we really would grow in this awareness that I have no sins, I'm conscious of no sin in my life that needs further cleansing because I have seen the new priesthood. You know what's going to happen to us? It's almost like, it's almost like a picture of this. The scripture says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Your human spirit, my human spirit, has been joined to the Lord's spirit. That's what it means to be born from above. That's what it means to be a new creation. What's going to happen, saints, is that the enemy knows this. He knows the moment we start seeing this. There's going to be, imagine this, saints. It's like this. This is how I see it. There'll be a slow rumble on the inside. It'll be like the dawning of a new day. Peter said it this way. He said, take heed to this truth and the morning star will arise in your heart. 
It is God who works in us, both to will and to do. We haven't believed the simple, awesome, profound truth that he was manifested to put away sin. That he really did do it. He really did do it. He did do it. John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We don't believe it. And the veil remains and, we're re and it's, it's being reinforced by bad teaching everywhere in the body of Christ. I mean, it's rampant. Because everybody's so afraid of sin. God's not afraid of sin. He's not afraid of flesh. His resurrection proved that his life is bigger than flesh. The resurrection is a picture of how the, the superiority of his life over flesh. It is the spirit of life that puts to death the deeds of the body, Romans says. No wonder we don't see signs and wonders and healings like, you know why? Because of a, we have such anemic faith. Our diet has been on law. And we are anemic in our faith. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, Paul said in Galatians. He's talking about eating of law, eating of the, the law, the flesh mentality. Satan opened their eyes to their nakedness by getting them to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is a picture of the law. Knowledge of good and evil. God calls that blindness. Satan calls it the opening of the eyes. Jesus came to, to open the eyes of the blind. When Jesus, Jesus revealed himself to Paul, great scales fell off his eyes. And for the first time in his life, he could see. Yet he was a strong, zealous man for the Ten Commandments and went all about the land preaching righteousness. And yet he was blind. Put the ring on, saints. Step into that. See it. A lot of truth in that. The ring of authority. Christ. Christ authority. Visible. Invisible. Look not at that which is seen, Paul said, but that which is unseen. We were blinded in the beginning. And all we focus now is on what's seen. Until Christ comes and opens our eyes. All we now focus on is what's unseen. We know no man after the flesh anymore, but after the spirit. He swore with an oath. He is our high priest forever. He forever, Hebrews says, with the change of the priesthood must come a change of the law. But there's no priest from Judah. And our Lord sprang from Judah. So he changed the law, a new covenant. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, the writer says. This thing is not of this creation, saints. 
religion and this whole thing of focusing on our sins in the flesh is all of earth. It is all the Levitical priesthood warmed over and reworded and remarketed and resold to you. It's the whole Levitical priesthood of covering of sins. It's just done a little different way, but it's the whole earthly mentality. And you and I, the time has come to break through and to be who you are and who I am. And don't be afraid to be bold and say the truth that I have no sin attached to me anymore. As Clark said, I have no sin that is attached to me now. I have no sin that needs further cleansing. In fact, I have the righteousness of God Himself. In fact, I'm His heir. I'm His son. I'm not going to heaven because I'm doing the right things. I'm going to heaven because I was born there. Jerusalem above is my mother. That's my mother. I'm from there. They who are born of the Spirit are like the wind. The world doesn't know where they're from or where they're going. I'm going home because I'm from there. Awesome! And you're going there because you're from there. Now watch what's going to happen, saints. Watch what's going to happen. Trust God's ways. You mean, you, want to, you mean, Lord, you want me to come out of this boat and walk on the water? Men can't walk on the water. Trust me, Peter. I know this doesn't make natural sense, Peter. I know you've got some contraption there you think is going to save you. But if you'll notice, you're gathering water. It's the same thing. That's why he did it that way, to teach us. It's as different as being in a boat on water that's the earthly mentality and you getting out of the boat and walking on water. Yes. Jewish religion and then the church picks it up. It's like a denial of Christ. It is. It is. It, it is. it is an abomination to God. And that's, you know, I'll say this. A lot of saints are all excited about the Jews building the temple back in Jerusalem and starting the sacrifices again. And they found the red heifer and all this stuff. I'm going like, do you know what you're saying? I mean... I mean, it's an abomination to God to think that, that there's not two covenants. There's only one covenant. Jew and Gentile are in this one covenant. Christ, the Jewish Messiah, is the only Messiah and the only sacrifice for sin for Jews and Gentiles. But anyway, that's my other soapbox. But, but you're right. The church is, in many places has taken up the Levitical thinking. The worst case is, of course, the, the Roman Catholicism. And Episcopalians, and it goes on and on and on. And it's like, and you know, to make the host the actual body of Christ and sacrifice him over and over again. You know, that's 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 blatant. Um, it's just the enemy's. It's it's the, it's the genius of the enemy. And the Protestant churches have taken it into their thinking too. When we have the Lord's Supper, you, when you hear someone say, "Okay, examine yourself for sin," make sure you confess your sin before you eat the bread and drink the wine. That's Catholicism. That's Levitical priesthood. That's wrong thinking. Paul never said to the believers, examine yourself for sin. 
Never. He said, examine yourself to see if Christ is inside of you before you partake of the covenant meal. He said, examine yourself to see if you're a believer. He says, no, you're not. If Christ is not in you, you are unregenerated. But if you know that Christ is in you and you're in Christ, eat and drink and, and celebrate the truth that your sins are not being held against you. It's just the opposite. It's so twisted. It's just the op very opposite. The covenant meal should be a, a time of incredible rejoicing, of remembering Him, not us, not our sin. Hebrews says as a reminder of sins all the time under the old covenant, the, under the Levitical priesthood of covering of sins, as a reminder of sins, but no more on the new covenant. It's a, remem it's a remembrance of Him who took our sin. I mean, it's just the opposite. It's so twisted. And the enemy's just laughing as we get in our pew, get on our knees in our pews and try to think of all the little sins and all the flesh we need to name before we, that's it's horrible. It's ridiculous. Instead of being bold to say, I wish someone would just stand up one day when they did that and said, I just want you to know, saints, I have no sin <laughs> that needs further cleansing. And I'm gonna take this bread and drink this wine to remember him who made that possible. Who wants to join me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's the kind of, that's the kind of truth that, that breaks forth and people will say, oh my God, he's right. What are we doing? It's like, it's like the emperor has no clothes. You know, it's like the story, we're all doing it, we're all following it until one little boy says, but I thought Jesus died for our sins. Oh, oh, okay. wow, he's got it right. You know, it spreads like wildfire and, you know? Revolution. Yeah. I saw a television show recently What opened his eyes to the truth of Jesus being the Messiah was that statement in the Bible that when Christ was crucified, the veil was rent. That is what he that opened his eyes. Awesome. See? That is so awesome. She said that what she saw a show on TV where a Messianic Jew, a completed Jew, a Jewish believer in Jesus was having has this, a program and he was sharing what opened his eyes as a Jew was when he read that when Jesus died, the veil of the temple was rent in two from top to bottom. Man couldn't have done that from top to bottom. That's what opened that Jewish believer's eyes. Isn't that awesome? Because that signified the end of that system. That's it, that's right, that's the end. No more covering, no more sacrifices. Oh, wow. Wow, see now this went to 11.30. Is that cool? We got a little more time and uh, and so we don't have to rush to another uh, service right now since we went to the, most of us went to the morning service, early service. We can, you know, hang out for a little while and if you guys want to talk and if you have questions or whatever. But I, I think I'm going to love this extra time and this new time. There's not a rush to get somewhere, you know. Anyway, saints. Don't let, yeah, Scott. Um, I was just going to say, you know, you mentioned the, the morning star, God being the morning star, Yes. Um, I grew up overseas in South America, in Brazil. My parents worked with a group of Indians there, and we were about two weeks away from any civilization, so we're out in the middle of nowhere. For 10 years, I lived there, and these Indians, every night, they would go to bed not knowing that the next day they'd come. At about 3.30 or 4 in the morning, the first person that saw the morning star would stand up and say, tomorrow's coming. The morning star is here. Awesome. They would get all excited and they'd fall back to sleep happy because they knew the next day was coming. Wow. Uh, that is 
That's awesome. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. See, that's awesome. Yes. Yes. That's right. Every time I see the moon shine, you know, I, I think like that. I think, you know, I know the sun is shining on the other side of the planet because the moon has no light of itself. You know, it's a reflection of the sun. And, you know, it's so cool to see that there is a tomorrow, you know, whatever. Awesome. That's awesome. You know what, before you ask that, um, let's close and then, uh, and then I'll, any questions, that'd, that'd be great. Um, before everybody starts leaving and stuff, I just want to, I want to seal this in prayer because yes. the enemy, the enemy, the word comes in, the, the word of the kingdom, Jesus said the word of the kingdom comes and, and, and we don't understand it maybe. Um, and the enemy comes to steal it out. And, and, it's very important that we, as Clark said, be good receivers and to receive this awesome revelation of this new priesthood and live every day. And you may say, what, what, what's the practical result of this teaching? It's so practical, it's unbelievable. I mean, every day to live with the growing confidence that I have no sins that separate me from God. No sins. Even though, I committing, even though I commit sins at times as a believer, even though I walk after the flesh at times, those sins do not separate me because they're not counted against me. Because it's not really the real me, as Paul says in Romans 7. That's why when you're re released from this body, you'll have no more temptation. The real you doesn't want to sin. First John says the seed of God is within you and you cannot sin. Think about that. The real you. The real you. It's awesome. So when we, so when we go from this place, let's, let's pray that, let's pray that, that this seed will bear much fruit in our lives. That we might bring this to other people. Because Hebrews says, the, the writer to the Hebrews, his desire was that we would be teachers of others of this truth and not be in need of the elementary things of Christ, meaning faith and, you know, he lists those things. So this is powerful and believers are dying out there yes. in terms of, I say dying, they're, they're discouraged and they're, yes. they're burnt out, they're burned out like I was. Years ago, I was just like that. I was, cause I had this, this mixture and they need to hear a simple word and just and be bold. It's very important to be bold and say it without fear. Just plant the seed. We're going to pray. And then um, I want us all to pray for Rosemary also. Rosemary was just diagnosed with stage four cancer. Is it of the brain, Rosemary? Very serious. Lymph nodes. So we're going to pray for Rosemary together. Saints, let's pray from that other place for Rosemary. There's nothing too hard for him. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that you're opening our eyes to heavenly realities. 
You're freeing us from the earthly copies to walk as free children of God who are from above and not from below anymore. Oh, Lord. Why do we live as if we're still in the world? Touch not, taste not. Don't you see? For the whole world has been crucified to us and us to the world. We have been translated into your kingdom, Lord. Even now, we live and move and have our being in you. Lord, I pray that this growing awareness of our union with you and your love toward us, the height, the width, the breadth, the depth of the love of God toward us would so fill us, we would be filled with the fullness of God. For you swore with an oath, desiring even more to give us strong encouragement and to show the unchangeableness of your purpose. Jesus is our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who has no beginning and has no end. One sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all time and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high having purged us of all our sins. Lord, help us to grow in this awareness of the presence within. The presence within. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Lord, we pray for Rosemary now. We pray in Jesus' name. And the saints near Rosemary, if you could just lay your hands on Rosemary. Lord, you said that we would lay hands on the sick in your name and they would recover. Lord, thank you for your healing power that comes from another world. Thank you for the power of heaven. Thank you for the power of heaven. Bless Rosemary now, Lord, I pray. We pray for Rosemary, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Pray you'd keep Rosemary in our hearts throughout the week as we pray for her. As you bring Rosemary to our remembrance, Lord, we will continue to pray for Rosemary for a complete healing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Rosemary. What a cool sister. Thank you so much. What a servant's heart. Thank you, Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.